Support for this episode of YXC Underground comes from Rob Romby and his team at Romby Wealth Management Group of RBC Dominion Securities in North Battleford. If you are looking for someone to manage and invest your money, Rob Romby is the person to see. I don't think I ever expected to be in this good of a headspace after losing my daughter, like, ever again. But, like, doing the work that I do just heals my heart a little bit more every time. Like, I think we're really fortunate. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Jasmine Herchak. Jasmine and Bree Cope are the co-founders of the Empty Arms organization, and both are the featured guests in Season 5, Episode 5 of YXE Underground. The death of a child is devastating to families, no matter their age. But when it comes to supporting individuals and families who have experienced the loss of a child during pregnancy or at a very young age, there are very few supports often available. In Saskatoon, we are lucky to have Empty Arms, a nonprofit organization helping families and individuals grieve the loss of young children and creating a supportive community for those who have experienced such a powerful loss. Jasmine Herchak and Bree Cope started Empty Arms in 2014, and they share why this work is so meaningful to them in this episode of YXE Underground. Last year, I received an email from my friend Sarah Irons. I've known Sarah for years and was excited to hear from her. The email was a pitch for the podcast, and it read, As you may or may not know, Eric, in 2018, my partner and I received the devastating news that our baby, I was 23 weeks pregnant, had medical conditions that were not conducive to life. As we coped with the news and next steps, we were pointed in the direction of empty arms. They are an amazing perinatal loss support group and do the difficult work of guiding families through the loss and grief of their babies. They made our experience the best it could be, creating space for us to make memories with our son and spend time with him before we had to say goodbye. It's truly an amazing organization, and they deserve their story to be told. I'm grateful for Sarah for sending this email. I had never heard of Empty Arms before, but it was clear from Sarah's email the impact the organization had had on her family in such a difficult time. I reached out to Sarah and her partner, Dax, to let them know I was going to feature Empty Arms on the podcast and that they would be more than welcome to contribute to the episode in whatever way they wanted. Sarah and Dax invited me to their home here in Saskatoon on a cold December weekend to tell me the story of their son, Everett, and the role Empty Arms played in helping them prepare for his birth and to grieve his passing. Here are Dax and Sarah explaining how their relationship with Empty Arms, and specifically Jasmine, began. It's about a six-minute clip, and I think it will give you a sense of all the little things Empty Arms does that add up to something really meaningful. I was the one who made the call to Empty Arms. Because um, at that point, like, we, you know, we didn't have that information, that much information about, like, what was going to happen and what we were going to do once we went into the hospital. Uh, like, aside from... Um, that we were going to induce labor, but they sort of walked us through it um, about what would happen. Uh, Jasmine was very clear of that I should I 
we could call her throughout the process. Um, whenever it was eventually born, it was at three o'clock in the morning, and I, two fifty-four, and and I almost I called her almost immediately afterwards. It was like she just instantly became this this point of contact. I I called my parents and I called her, and we you know. Um, she, they told us like that they would come in. Um, they brought us a kit. They suggested things that we should pack. Uh, she asked if we had things like blankets or stuffed animals ready and stuff like that and said, okay, well, I want you to take some of that stuff in with you, um, so that you'll have it. Um, yeah, they they offered they said do you want uh we can have a photographer come in and we initially said no to that but then eventually changed our minds <laughs> um they although at that point yeah they didn't have anybody available but it's fine like i mean they 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 said well you know this is something you're probably going to want and that is something we did decide later um yeah overall it was just it was nice to have things to do, next steps, and sort of an idea of what was going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, eventually, it was very early in the morning when Jasmine came. I mean, we'd had a few hours. Um, she brought us uh, a box um, full of um, all kinds of things that we might want forever she brought a uh the, the um stuffed animals we did we sort of went through a few rituals with him that kind of helped us i think just even though he wasn't there in his body it just helped us let him know how loved he was and how much we'd wanted him i mean he was born with perfect little hands and feet and a perfect little face and it was so hard to believe that you know this it it wasn't going to happen and then so we we went through things like um we read him a story we changed his diaper we put him in pajamas he had you know we held him he was in a nice little hat um i believe empty arms has has raised money over the years that they actually buy chillers yeah, they're called cuddle cots. Um, so, um, so that he was physically in in good condition throughout the the process. Um, we had a we had a few people close to us um, who came in and had the chance to hold him and see him. Um, and yeah, so you just, you know, you don't have to go through that, that sort of misery alone. Um, yeah, we did eventually have, have photos and stuff. Um, one of the, I think one of the, the most special things was Jasmine actually suggested here, why don't you, uh, we gave him a bath uh, with, she brought in a whole kit of essential oils in in different scents and she said pick one that you don't have any other association with pick one Which was hard, I... <laughs> because we always i have, have a lot, lot. 
<laughs> but so she said, okay, I want you to go through these things and I want you to like pick something that you don't have any other sense memory for. And then, so, and then that's what we added to is, uh, to the bathwater as we cleaned him and changed him into the pajamas that he would be in when we finally left the hospital and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, we dried him with the, the towel and so, you know, and then now we have all those things preserved in a Ziploc bag and you can, you know, when you open that, that bag, which we have done on his birthday, you know, that stuff, remembering going through that ritual, um, is a, is a very positive memory for us. Like you're going through a miserable, miserable time, but knowing that you, you love that baby as best you could in the time that you had and that you went through that stuff is, is some small comfort in that, like, in that dark, dark spot. Yeah. Thank you, Dax. We got to weigh him and do his measurements and all the things that you would do or that you do do when you have a, a baby full term. Um, and they brought things that were like his size, like this was his stuffed rabbit that um, they brought in. They let you take their handprints and footprints. So we have them on our wall, the ink ones. And then in our little memory corner, we have his other stuffed animal with his hands and footprints in, um, it's kind of clay and looks like clay, but it's not really, it's like a polymer, but, um, they supplied all of those things. Like we didn't have to think of any of these things. They supplied clothes that were the right size because nobody expects to have a baby that small. He was just over a pound. So very, very tiny. So no one expects to have to call the baby that small or anything like that so they made it that we had all these things available to us my sincere thanks to sarah and dax for sharing their story and for giving us a sense of the many ways empty arms helps people and families the two people who started empty arms in 2015 are jasmine hercheck and brie cope to say they are caring and kind people would be a vast understatement as you will hear in our conversation, which took place at the Good Earth Coffee Shop in the Jim Pattison Children's Hospital, Bree and Jasmine put their hearts and souls, their time and wallets into this organization, and their work has helped hundreds of people like Sarah and Dax. In the first part of our conversation, we talk about the reasons why they started Empty Arms and how they connect with families and individuals in need of their help. We also talk about the importance of empathy and trust and its lasting benefits. I started our conversation by asking Bree how she and Jasmine feel when they come into the children's hospital to meet a family or individual who needs their support. So I think what you're touching on is actually um, really sort of foundational to the work that we do because I think, uh, and I'm making an assumption here, but I, uh, I'm assuming you've never lost a baby. No, no, and and like my wife and I, we we don't have kids at all, and so um, I, I appreciate you sort of like I could see you making eye contact with me, like Eric. I know what you're trying to say. Um, you can just come out and say it. I appreciate that because I'm. This is so. This is a, a world, a community, an experience that I, is just so foreign to me. So, and yet, like you're saying that it's. You're, you're here, you're here lots, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly it, right? Is that it's such a foreign concept. Um, even to me, when it happened to me the first time, um, so because I've lost two babies, um, and 
I already had an almost two-year-old and I had plenty of friends with kids, you know, of any, like, all different ages, but I had never heard of this happening to anybody and I really thought that I was, like, the only one Um, because it just isn't something that was talked about at all and um, so that was something that I think, and I don't want to speak for Jasmine, but I think something that we both felt was the loneliness of going through this experience um, without any kind of formal support, formal or informal. Um, You know, I I was, I was going to wait till maybe later in the conversation to ask how, how all this started, but I think that's a nice segue into like how, you know, Jasmine, we were talking just before in terms of when you started with the, with the nonprofit, like how, how did all this begin? Well, in 2013, um, my husband and I lost our youngest, Jael, um, and we didn't have the best hospital experience. It's, um, yeah, it was pretty rough. And after the fact, um, I really was drawn to the idea of helping out other families. And then I came across a course for birth and bereavement doula. So I just knew I had to take it. So I took it and then I thought, well, how can we offer this to people without, you know, charging them money? And so the idea of a nonprofit and then I can connect it with Brie and we just kind of rolled with it. (laughs) But it's one thing, like you said, you you go through, um, you know, a a very painful and, and traumatizing experience, but then not everyone would say i i want to take that experience and and do something good with it and and help help others what what was it within yourself that made you think i i, I want to go down this route and and start empty arms that's a good question i don't really know <laughs> um in toronto response <laughs> I have a bit of an obsessive personality, so I kind of got fixated, um, and I just wanted to make the experience better for other families, so, yeah. And for me, and again, I can't speak for Jasmine, but um, when I met her and she was telling, you know, like, telling me about this initiative that she was wanting to do and all of these amazing ideas, um, I was just like... Yeah, like I had been searching for ways to give my son's life meaning. And so I had been doing fundraisers actually for the children's hospital. It wasn't called Jim Patterson at the time, but um, just independently because I wanted to, like I had all this energy that I would have been pouring into a child that I was raising, but I wasn't. So I was looking for other ways to like, you know, express that love for him and um because parenthood is really like it's a lot of work right and um and so yeah I just had all this energy and so and and not everybody is the same way with grief like everybody grieves differently but I think a lot of parents do feel like they they want an outlet for all of that um like love and grief and and everything when you when you first started this and and obviously where you you joined her early on like what was what was the the reaction from like even people like within your social circles like 
when when you were starting this? What what was that like? You're you're smiling a bit. Well, no, it's because people don't quite know how to take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of a strange concept when you first bring it up. You know, not something that not something you would talk about. You know, or or think about doing. You know, like before you lose a baby, you don't think you know let's make memories with a baby that's passed that just yeah doesn't make sense to a lot of people yeah so a lot of people were like oh really <laughs> this is what you want to do <laughs> did that in any way um like did, did that frustrate you or like it, no. make it no 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 I was pretty set in what I wanted yeah and I think too like we said earlier when you haven't experienced it because both Jasmine and I hadn't experienced it at one point, right? And so I probably would have felt similarly if someone else had brought the idea to me before I had held my dying son, you know? Like, I think, I don't think I know because I had the my only experience with baby loss was an acquaintance who's baby was stillborn and she had posted a picture of his feet on social media and there was all sorts of talk in our workplace about you know not not nice words and I remember not voicing any um any opinions because I just thought it was um something that shouldn't even be talked about let alone shared on on social media you know and so it was um but I remember agreeing with the thing, like in my mind, agreeing with the things that they were saying about, you know, like, why would you want to take a picture of a dead baby, let alone share those pictures? Yeah. And now that's what I do. <laughs> it's, it, it's, yeah, like, it, it saddens me to hear that you, that there was people, like, saying not nice things yeah. about that. And it's not that they were saying bad things about the baby or the family, but it was judging the choices that they had made, you know? Like, why would you share that? Like, that's private, right? But it's so funny because, um, you know, if you were to lose a parent or a spouse, people wouldn't say, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That's your own private grief, right? They would send their condolences and they would offer to help in any way that they could. But when it's a baby that dies, it's... The, the sadness is so great that people just get uncomfortable and they just don't even know how to wrap their brains around it. And I think that it's a self-defense mechanism, right? That they don't want to understand where you're coming from because it's too painful. That makes sense. Um, and, and it reminds me of when I spoke with Sarah and Dax um, last month, that was something that Sarah brought up too, was that um, we're very comfortable in terms of, like you said, like posting online or talking about, you know, the loss of a parent or a grandparent. And yet this, what you do, it's so different. Yeah, it it is different. And, and again, like I can't think of any other reason why it would be different. Uh, Well, that's not entirely true. Um, The only other reason I can think of honestly, other than we don't want to try to imagine how painful it is, is that, you know, birth historically has been a woman's world and women's issues haven't always been at the forefront of society, right? So, I mean, historically men weren't even present for the birth of their child. So if that child was, you know, not alive, they wouldn't have ever even seen that child. And it 
it's like it didn't exist. So why would they, you know, encourage conversations about a child that didn't exist to them? Or even the grieving process. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And, and of course, then it's compounded with the whole men can't grieve and men can't be sad. Right. So why would they grieve something that they never saw? They never held. And, and it, to even like allow themselves to feel a little bit of that sadness, you just open the floodgates, right? So it was very much just shove it down. It's, yeah. Oh, that's so. It's it's interesting how it just it, it's there's layers to it, and, and it goes back for yeah. yeah. That's so. That's very interesting. Um, may I ask you both some nuts and bolts questions in terms of how how you were able to connect um, with families who who have lost a child? Um, how this is a really big question jasmine but like how like how how does it work like how how do you how do you make the connections with with families um we're very fortunate to be at the place we're at now um the hospital the doctors and the nurses both tell families about us so um we'll often with the family's permission we'll get a call from their nurse you know, telling them about us and saying they want our services, and we connect that way. Um, once in a while, we'll get hear from a family that just hears from us about us through social media or something like that. But usually, it's from the doctors and nurses. Um, what What are the first conversations like um, with with a family? Like once once they make the call to to you guys, like what 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 are those convers those first conversations like? Um, gentle, um, you know, we tell them how sorry we are for the fact that they're going through this and stuff. Um, we get some details as we converse with them, you know, um, yeah, and kind of like with my job, I just kind of try and build a connection with them because I'll be connected with them if we talk to them before birth. I'll be connected with them then in the hospital and then for years to come. So, yeah. Um, what are the, the first conversations like for you when, when you're connecting with the, with the family? Yeah, so primarily I come in um, with the role of photographer, but occasionally, um, especially during the pandemic when, you know, if we had um, our companions were symptomatic with any symptoms and I was sort of playing both roles um just because I'd seen it done enough um and so it's the same it's the same thing it's really just um about building trust in the beginning um giving them someone that they know um understands what they're going through all the even though of course all of the details will be you know individual but um just someone who has been where they are and um I think one of the biggest things and of course like Jasmine said it's it doesn't just all happen in in one conversation or even a handful of conversations but one of the biggest things for me is um it sounds cliche but sort of giving them hope that it's not always going to be as hard as it is in those initial moments like um just letting them know that there's going to be a roller coaster of emotions, um, but the, that's really, you know, they're in the hardest moments. And and a lot of families will say to me, like, 
you seem okay. You know, like you've had this happen to you, but you seem okay. Like, how did you keep going on? Right. And so I think just seeing that there's other, like so many of our volunteers and staff with empty arms have also experienced loss. And I think it's comforting to see that life doesn't end. Your life doesn't end when your baby's life does. Cause it really feels like yeah, it. You, you mentioned um, the word trust, and, and when both of you were, were answering that question, what came to mind for me was empathy. Um, and, and you obviously have it in spades because you, you have been in that situation before. And that, that just must be, like, I, I'm, I'm guessing, but it, it must be on some level comforting for the families that you're working with to know that they, they are now in contact with and, and forming a relationship with with two people and with volunteers as well who have been in their shoes like that does that help on the trust front i think so yeah Yeah, it definitely does and um yeah yeah i think often and again every individual and family is different but i think oftentimes um you know we can say the same thing as like one of their medical providers but you know, not medically, but like, you know, sorry for your loss type thing. And I think when it's coming from someone who understands, it just has different weight to it, you know, um, because they really like, I, yeah, just countless times they've just looked up at us and said, like, you understand, you know, um, and yeah, it's, it's that loneliness that Jasmine and I both felt when we lost our babies, um, that, most of our families don't have to experience because apart from our organization, you know, like on the back end, we have all of the other families that, you know, network together now. So I, I do want to get to that. Um, no, 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 no. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I, I do want to get to that. Um, but I, I'm so curious. So after, after you, you know, you have those first few conversations and a relationship is, is forming, um, what what are the what are the what are the supports that you offer? Because I I saw a couple of your colleagues as they were approaching the elevator. They they've got big bags. They're full of things, and I know Sarah touched on on Sarah and Dax touched on a couple of things that you were um, provided to them. But can you explain to listeners like what it is, um, like tangibly that that maybe you provide? Um, well, when we come in, like the companions will help them make memories, like giving baby a bath, um, doing prints and impressions of their hands and feet. Um, we have a box of mementos that we give to the families with things like a stuffed bunny, which is because of Brie. Um, Ooh, tell me about the stuffed bunny. <laughs> oh, so <clears throat> with all of my babies, um, when we found out we were pregnant, we didn't, um, you know, I didn't really... By, we never didn't find out with our first two what we were having in terms of like boy or girl. So when we first um, heard the heartbeat or had an ultrasound, I would go and just buy a stuffed bunny, like one of those jelly cat bunnies, um, just as like, I don't know, because it felt real then, right? You know, in the first few weeks, it's like, yeah, you're nauseous and stuff, but you've never heard them or seen them. And so it's, yeah, it just it felt real at that moment. And so I wanted to like, have something and so that's what I did was I bought those stuffed bunnies and um so when we found out that our son would 
die after he was born, all we had for him was his bunny. So we took it with us to the hospital when we met him and said goodbye. And so, um, yeah, we have pictures of him with his bunny and now our, his siblings, like, it's just in tatters because it's so loved and they know that, you know, it's their Marlowe bunny, so. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, okay, so there, so the stuffed bunny is part of it. Right. And then things like books for mom and dad. Um, there's a book they can read to baby, a necklace for mom, a wristband for dad, flower seeds, just some special things. Like we feel like just because their baby's gone doesn't mean they shouldn't be loved on and, you know, receive things. So, yeah. Our... I guess every every family is is different, but like our our family's a bit overwhelmed when they receive all of this from you guys. Um, some are. I think some are comforted because you know they feel like their situation is valid, right? Like we're yeah. I think a lot of families are comforted. Yeah, of course, there, there's some overwhelm there, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's an overwhelming experience altogether. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah. It's so interesting, though, that you, you just said that they, it makes them feel that what they're going through is valid. Like, oh, that makes me feel sad. It's, it's really hard because when you leave the hospital, you leave your baby here, right? And it can feel like you literally you're walking out with empty arms right um and so having something it it almost feels like a really horrific dream like i remember walking through ruh like the lobby and all these people it was like a scene from a movie where everything was just kind of like blurry and happening around me but it was like did this even just happen because i'm i walked in pregnant and I walked out with no baby and it was just like what just happened and I I woke up like every day for weeks thinking this must have just been a bad dream and it, I would have to like remind myself that it happened um, especially because the people in your life you know normally when you're Greek when you have a, a a substantial loss you know there's other people around you that you're sharing that grief with like your parents or your siblings or friends or co-workers even right but with the loss of a child it can be very isolating even just in the fact that you it feels like you're the only one going through that grief even within your your family so having like those tangible reminders it it's like okay this happened I'm not crazy and yeah listening to episode five season five of yxc underground my name is eric anderson and our featured guests are jasmine herchak and brie cope from empty arms listen to yxc underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts including apple podcasts spotify good pods or the website yxcunderground.com 
Follow YXE Underground on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you will see some photos of Brie and Jasmine taken by Saskatoon photographer Molly Shikoski. Beginning of this episode, you heard Dax and Sarah Irons talk about the many ways Empty Arms helped them prepare for their son Everett's birth and grievous passing. One of the items in the package Empty Arms prepared for them was a book entitled On the Night You Were Born by Nancy Tillman. Everett was born on September 27, 2018, and every year on his birthday, Dax and Sarah read the book to their two-year-old daughter. They also have tattoos based on the book's artwork, and I asked Dax if he could share the story behind his tattoo. Yeah, I have three geese tattooed, uh, and because there's a quote um, in the book that goes, uh, so if ever you wonder just how special you are, and you wonder who loves you, how much and how far, just listen for geese flying high or honking high in the sky. They're singing a song to remember you by. Um, and so, and I just like the way that it looks like, uh, a young geese with his parents flying behind it. And, uh, yeah, I just, and I do, um, I do now when I hear, when I hear the geese, uh, you know, migrating every year when they, when they're leaving or coming back, you know, there's always that reminder. I remember very early on, um, Actually, even before I got the tattoo, walking to work, um, I work at Innovation Place, and I, I used to walk across the train bridge every day, and I remember like having to stop and have a quick cry on the bridge because, um, yeah, it was probably, I don't know, middle or end of October, and I just remember having that that moment hearing birds call, and it's nice knowing that I'll have that association with him forever. And it's and it's because somebody had the the forethought to to put together a package like this and a, you know like we didn't know at the moment but that book now has given me something that I'll you know I'll be able to reflect on with him forever. One of the many things that amazes me about Jasmine and Bree's work with Empty Arms is the amount of careful thought that goes into the help and support they show families and individuals, and I think Dax's story proves that in spades. In the final part of our conversation, Jasmine and Bree explain how people connect with Empty Arms and the strong partnership they have formed with staff at the Jim Patterson Children's Hospital. I started by asking Bree if they were able to learn from other organizations when they started Empty Arms in 2015. Well, there were sort of certain things that we knew we didn't want to do based on some other organizations. Like, there were ones um, who offered, say, like, just photography or just, like, um, like care packages with no personal connection, right? Like, they just sort of, like, leave them at the hospital and then the medical staff would, like, give them to families. And so, um, not that those either of those things are wrong, but it was just we knew that it was still not the level of connection that and, right. and like, comfort that we wanted to give these families. Yeah. I, I really applaud that because... Um, and, and the fact too, that you, you both have, have experienced loss as well. And yet 
like in your minds you knew you knew what you wanted to do like and you just you just did it <laughs> like, you did, and it's and it's benefiting so many it's helping so many people uh yeah i mean yeah i mean jasmine's still like deep in the trenches i have like yeah i i don't even it amazes me to think that like seven years ago this didn't exist and yeah that now it's just I can't imagine Saskatoon like a family in Saskatoon going through a loss without this amazing resource that she still gives to all of our families and and obviously not just her it's a whole organization but like She's, yeah, the driving force behind it from day one and still, so. Like, seven years going on eight years. Like, do you do you ever take a moment, Jasmine, to step back and, and look at what, what Empty Arms has become? Yeah, once in a <laughs> while I think about it, yeah. and it's a little, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that you do reflect on it, though, because I, mm-hmm. I can imagine that you're the work is so is so busy and and emotionally very like you've got to give it everything and so i'm glad to hear you find some time to reflect because i imagine that's important yeah i think it is and i think it kind of keeps me humble too um i don't know i think The reason I think I can keep doing it is because I focus on the fact that we're giving families little glimmers of light in the darkness, right? Like, because we're there and because they've made this connection, it's not all dismal. Like, they have some moments of light in the darkness. Yeah. That was very nicely put. Um, You... Brie, you mentioned earlier in terms of the the community that that forms, like when, like you said, there's there's glimmers of of light in the darkness, and then when when these families leave the hospital, they're not alone out there. Um, can can you tell me a little bit, and, and both of you can talk about about this, um, about the community that Empty Arms has helped create in these last seven eight years? Yeah, I mean, Jasmine will be able to speak more to. Um, you know, the people in it, but I just know that like where Jasmine and I met was in an online, um, it was a local like Facebook group, like, um, for like bereaved parents, but there were only like 30 of us or so 30 or 40 at the time. Um, and, and again, it was just like just a few mums who started it and, um, and, and I remember just thinking, even though, like, to have that community, it was it was so small. I was like, really, this is all that it's happened to, you know? Like, so um, we're, and so when we, in our first year, I don't even remember, like, how it came about, but we knew we wanted to do a walk for, um, like, October's Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So every year we do our... Um, perinatal awareness walk and our first year 
I remember when we were all organizing it and I was like, is anybody going to show up? And it was like almost a hundred people showed up even our first year. And now it's like, we have like 500 people regularly attend, um, plus every year. Right. So, um, and it's, it's overwhelming. Like now we have it as more of like a come and go just cause there are so many people. So it's, it's sort of like a whole day event and it's just like, like throngs of people. Um, it's a whole like, yeah, it's a whole subsect of our population here. It's interesting too, because when you first met on the online community, there was what, 30 or 40 people you said. And yet I'm sure deep down you knew there was more, there was more people out there. And yet, you know, it's, as we've established here, it's, it's, for, for many people, it's been hard to, to talk openly about that. But the fact that it's now an all-day event um, in the fall for you guys, like, just shows, I think anyways, like, the, the community that you're helping to, to build. When, does does that make you feel good, Jasmine? Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. It does. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's just some days it's kind of hard to wrap my head around that this is where we're at right now. Yeah. yeah. I remember like when we first started and you know we were troubleshooting how you you asked how families like find out about us and everything mm-hmm. right and when we were troubleshooting how we would even like raise awareness about our organization because you know it's very it's a brief window of time between when a family finds out that their baby has either passed or is terminal and when they meet them and leave them right so it's it's a very short window so um we quickly realized that like getting hospital staff on board even though we're a separate entity right was going to be like a challenge but like key and um yeah we're just so fortunate that our nursing staff here has just been our biggest advocates like they've been our biggest champions um through for the last like seven eight years like it's not even a question anymore you know like they just if there's a patient with a loss that one of their first questions because I've been here for you know another birth and I'll hear them like has empty arms been called been contacted yet you know and so or have they been told about empty arms so it's just yeah it's so and, and the staff are so I know like they've told us how much they appreciate us because like their job is medical, you know, like they're making sure as much as they are hundred like absolutely compassionate and empathetic towards their patients, they're still focused on making sure that, you know, mom's not like bleeding too much or there's often other complications that come along with a pregnancy loss, right? So they're still very much um, engaged in the, the medical side of things. And um, so to have that part taken off their plates um, is I know it's a big help to them too. That's I, I just find that so interesting because yeah, like you said, if you can get the buy-in at at the level that the nurses are at working with families, oh, that's yeah, that's lucked, huge. We lucked out big time. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I I I don't just spending some time with you. I, I'm sure like I'm sure the nurses recognized like the incredible, you know. I was going to say service. It's not a service. The incredible, like, I don't know, the work that you do with these fam- families. And and hopefully that, you know, my my mom was a nurse, and and I worked with nurses at, at Sherbrooke. Um, 
and nurses are really smart. So, like, <laughs> you know, I think they, I think they saw. I, I don't know if luck had anything to do with it, but yeah, I think they saw. There was definitely relationship building in the first yeah, couple of years. Yeah, there, there was a lot um, of, you know, meetings with management and meetings with the nurses and phone conversations and email conversations. So, um, just sort of assuaging some of their fears and concerns and um, talks about like patient confidentiality and all of the like logistics from their end right so and just um, yeah letting them know what we do and don't do and um, yeah I think one of the biggest hurdles was just like reinforcing that we're not professionals in any capacity we're a you know, we're peers and we're not there to offer like any sort of like therapy or counseling or anything like that. This is just a peer support system. Um, and that's, yeah, that we're not stepping on any toes whatsoever. It's really to like supplement, um, the care that they're giving. Um, and, and obviously the relationship building you did with the staff here at the children's hospital has, has worked and you've done an amazing job with it because um i recently saw on your instagram feed that um you have received another year of 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 funding can can you jasmine can you explain a little bit about that because i i think it speaks so highly about your organization uh well jpch has a foundation um so they accept grant proposals um for patient support every year and usually it's from in-hospital staff, um, but outside organizations can apply too. So we applied and they've given us some funding for the last three years for our in-hospital services. Yeah. So how many how many families will you be able to, to help this year? 75, yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. How, how does that make you guys feel? Good. Really good. (laughs) Yeah. It's a huge relief for me because I used to do like almost all of the fundraising. That was one of my biggest, like Jasmine was doing all of the like logistical. I mean, again, we have, we've always had like a a team of, of people helping us, but, um, you know, Jasmine and I were the sort of the, like the constants from the beginning and she was always doing the logistical and sort of the front end, well, front end, back end stuff. And I always sort of felt like, because I was, as I mentioned, I was doing fundraisers when we met. So I always sort of felt like, well, if we need money, I have to find it. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know how to find it. (laughs) So it's, it's hard though, asking for money. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, very quickly on, I learned that I just had to swallow my pride and straight up ask because there, we just couldn't do, I mean, we could give our time, but there was only so much in the beginning. We were buying these supplies out of our pockets. Like it, we spent like years, you know, (laughs) huge financial deficits, both of our families just to fund this organization and the startup, right? There was no startup funding. At any point, like when you're when you're funding this out of your own pocket, <laughs> at any point did you say like, I don't, I don't know, like maybe maybe this is as far as we can take it? Uh, there were times I thought that. I remember 
getting to the point where like I can't support my family you know without a paycheck right so yeah Oh yeah, same. Um, and so we've had different solutions to the same problem. So Empty Arms has enough money now, like has enough regular, you know, grant and things to have a few, um, like full-time or like, uh, not full, well, yeah, some full-time, but, um, like consistent, what sort? No, like, um, just steady, like regular staff, like Jasmine's on staff now, right? So they, she's, paid for all of this work that she's doing because she puts all of her hours in a day i'm glad you're getting paid yeah 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 Yeah. i'm grateful it it was hard back in the day but i was so passionate i didn't think about it till it was a huge problem within my family yeah you know that that i wasn't getting an income so so i'm grateful yeah and Unfortunately, we are still small enough. We don't have enough funding for many employees. So I have now, that's why I'm more just in the role of volunteer photographer. And it's been hard and it's been a long process of stepping back and sort of like giving up some of these roles because, um, yeah, our family also couldn't afford for me to work full time for free anymore. So, um, so now I'm doing my own work, you know, that's my primary Thing and um, and I'm really grateful to some other photographers for being able to step up and take on most of the work so that I can feed my family again. That's been great. Um, may, may I ask you both a personal question? Um, you you've touched on it a little bit in terms of like how much you how much you put into this and not and not just like you know today and last year, but like especially off off the start too. Um, like do you do you ever get tired like and and in terms of like like the compassion fatigue i i sometimes ask this of of social uh social workers that i've interviewed on the podcast because you know whether you're working at you know a place like prairie harm reduction or or something like that or out saskatoon and and you're you give and you give and you give and it's it's very clear that this means a lot to both of you and you give and you give and you give but um do you have to be aware of Okay, maybe I've, yeah. Yeah, it's def- compassion fatigue's definitely a thing. Um, that's why, like, for a lot of years, I was just doing the companioning in hospital, but now we have some casuals, so I have backups. So if I need a break, I call in somebody else who might be a- be available to to take over for a bit. So. May, may I ask you how how do you know when you need a break? Good question. I don't know. Just feel tired. Yeah. Just it's just emotionally exhausting. Yeah. How, how like it, do you do you experience the compassion fatigue sometimes? Oh yeah. Um, it sort of all came for a head to a head for me um, about a year and a half ago when I had another loss myself. Um, And despite all of my experience and knowledge and everything, um, I was failed so entirely by our system again. Um, So um, it was really hard for me to come back 
from that and not feel like the weight of the unfairness of life where this is what I've been doing for years, like giving all of my time, serving these other families. And then when it happens to me, the system completely failed me. And so it was, it was too much. That was when I got to the point where, and I don't know, you know, which came first. Like, I don't know if, um, the fatigue was there and then the miscarriage was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back or if the miscarriage happened and then I lost my, um, I guess just threshold, like if my threshold was just lowered, but it was prior to that, I hadn't really, um, felt like a burnout. Like I'd felt burnout with some of the like I said, like the fundraising parts, like there's a whole like administrative nightmare there, but I'd never felt a burnout with the actual like work itself, like with serving the families. Um, but after that, it just became, um, yeah, it definitely got harder um, for me. So that's, like I said earlier, that's, I did end up having to step back a bit from uh, attending as many as I was, so... Thank you for both for sharing that. Um, you have both been very generous with your time, and you've been very, very open with me about the work that you do and how much it means to you. Um, I want I I want to end on um, on a note where on your website there are a couple of testimonials, and there is there is one paragraph um, from a family. Um, that really stood out to me and I think speaks to both of your characters. Do you mind if I just read it to you briefly? Okay. It's on your website and the last paragraph um, of this testimonial says, um, it has been the hardest year of my life. Continuing to live after handing a piece of my heart to someone else is is the greatest heartache of all. The only good that came of losing our son was the people we've met. Jasmine and Bree gave us so much when we were losing everything we felt so loved and supported what goes through your mind when you when you hear that and when you read that i'm very grateful again that we could be that light for somebody yeah that's huge yeah um we've both said this and so many families have said it to us um As much as, um, you know, we would do anything to have our babies back, there has been so much good that has come because they're not here. Um, and some of the people, like some of the best people I've ever met have been because of these babies. Um, and so, yeah, like we really feel like the lucky ones, like, we not everybody gets this kind of um full circle you know it's like closure almost every time we we see these families getting the experience that we wish we had not every not every brave parent gets that that closure and that um yeah just 
I don't think I ever expected to be in this good of a headspace after losing my daughter, like ever again. But like doing the work that I do just heals my heart a little bit more every time. Like I think we're really fortunate. Yeah, like holding baby, like not many people get to hold or meet or meet most of these babies you know and it's just such a special moment that these families invite us into and allow us to share with them um and it's just it's like it's literally almost sacred and there's no other way to describe it thank you both for your time and for being so honest with me and for being so open as well and and Thank you for the work that you do. And I know there are lots of people listening and there are lots of people in this community that um, will forever be grateful to you. So thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. My sincere thanks to Jasmine and Bree for appearing on the podcast, sharing so much of their personal stories and for the work that they do in our community. If you want to learn more about Empty Arms and to donate to this wonderful nonprofit organization, visit emptyarmspls.com. This has been Episode 5, Season 5 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. You can listen to YXE Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or the website yxeunderground.com. Feel free to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Follow YXE Underground on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and that's where you will see some wonderful photos of Jasmine and Bree taken by Saskatoon photographer Molly Shikoski. A few quick thank yous before I say goodbye. Thank you to Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for managing the website. Thank you to my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for the original theme music. And thank you to my friend, Rob Romby, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Rob and his team at Romby Wealth Management Group of RBC Dominion Securities in North Battleford have taken care of my finances for years, and they are just the best to work with. And Rob himself is so supportive of all things YXE Underground. Thank you so much, Rob. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were done on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.